Well, welcome to Hemp Barons, Jay. It's wonderful to have you with us today. It's such a pleasure to be here with you, Joy. It's great. You are one of the more humble rock stars of hemp, so you will please forgive me while I have to tell the listeners uh, that you're a personal hero of mine, Jay Noller, uh, a professor of landscape pedology. Obviously, with research involving the disciplines of soil science, geomorphology, art, and archaeology, you come from early in the in all of this, the late 80s, early 90s from Colorado State University. You are a soil artist, but have also spent uh, 20 years at OSU as head of the Department of Crop and Soil Science. Um, well, for the last five of that, your, your career has spanned quite long uh, at OSU, and you stepped down from that position in January of 2019 to become the director and lead researcher for OSU, Oregon State University's Global Hemp Innovation Center. Your experience is quite international. You're including 35 large projects spanning much of North and South America, Southern Europe, Southeast Asia, and Africa. We know you've published more than 180 papers and maps, six books, and you continually contribute to other works. Uh, you're doing also tremendous work as an advisor to the National Industrial Hemp Council. Uh, and slowly, as I like to say, making your way around the planet like some stealth hemp ninja, Ajay. So just welcome to the show. Please tell us um, first how you came to hemp. When did cannabis in any of its forms and particularly hemp, uh, come into your field of awareness? Well, we'll start with my professional life. And, and we'll, yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Um, that would have been in 2014. Actually, actually before that was 2012 uh, when our the Oregon delegation, federal delegation, uh, was uh, putting touches on the 2013 Farm Bill, uh, which was stalled and came out the following year. Um, and so in that, uh, we had, uh, a heads up that this was, this was coming and we were looking at, um, with, uh, Senator Merkley and Senator Wyden, who were, uh, two of the four who, um, uh, certainly moved that, uh, the 2014 farm bill, uh, forward, uh, along with, uh, Paul and uh, McConnell out of, uh, Kentucky. So, in that, uh, just looking at, so what should this be described as, whatever? So that would be 2012, um, really. And, uh, of course, our department had, um, we had an earlier uh, research effort uh, in 1994 to 1997, uh, one of uh, two locations, actually, that did industrial hemp. Uh, research for the USDA that was uh, an earlier form of what was supposed to happen in 2014. And uh, of course, the what would have uh, been called uh, had we had the formal uh, setup for the Agricultural Research Service of the USDA today, uh, back in the old days from 1880 to 1932, 33, somewhere in there, uh, was the National Hemp um, research facility was here on our campus. So for 50 years, wow. over 50 years. So, uh, so hemp's been here for a long time and, uh, it's been, uh, important. Of course, 1970, it was expunged. Uh, we had, uh, uh, greenhouses with it and other things. And that was, um, 
So there were other experiments going on, but not at uh, federally, well, it was federally okay, but in 1970, it was all expunged, uh, wiped away. Uh, so uh, when I became department head in 2014, uh, just before the farm bill uh, passed, um, I just, I picked it up and carried it and that's just taken over my life. Now it's all the time has been for several years now. So and then administration. Yeah. You know, Once yeah. it gets into you, it's in you and you can't get it out. <laughs> yep. I'm thankful every day um, for this flyer I received in the spring of 1990 at a Grateful Dead show that it just changed mm. my life on a cellular level. Um, fascinating. I did not realize. Now, now I knew that Oregon, of course, obviously t- was taking a lead, clearly, as we talk about uh, Congressman Blumenauer, or we talk about Senator Wyden, Senator Merkley, um, and of course, my own uh, mentor, who you know so well, Andrea Herman, who taught mm-hmm. that uh, first course at OSU um, right. in recent history, I guess I'll have to call it post-prohibition in a way, mm-hmm. um, And so I know how important Oregon is to this. I did not know, however, about the research that went on between 94 and 97. And it's, you know, this East Coast, West Coast relationship that's fascinating to me because it was in 96 that Vermont uh, passed its inaugural hemp bill for for research, research for books, not research with planting seeds. And I had actually moved my, at the time, two young sons, both working their way through Masters Now, to Burlington to serve as the secretary of the Vermont Hemp Council. I didn't realize that Oregon was already you know, quasi knee deep in it, nor did I realize this 50 year research center. And so when you say it was expunged in 1970, obviously you're referring to the Controlled Substances Act, pulling the rug out from under that research. This this is a very enlightening to me. I did not realize this this deep history in Oregon um, that you a legacy really that you are right now just holding the mantle and running with it, Jay. Yep, that's that's what it is. Shoulders I'm standing on. Shoulders you're yep. standing on, brother, and we're standing on yours. Um, when when did the idea come about to start the Global Hemp Innovation Center? Clearly, that was an an investment um, and a and a very concerted, deliberate decision that I know with public institutions went through a million different levels. How did that subject or how did that decision come to be? Well, I think it was that uh, you know, I had the role of a department head, and it was a large department. Um, when you look at everybody that I had some administrative oversight, uh, 32 locations around Oregon, almost 600 people. So it was about, you know, like, um, I think our department, uh, even though it's within a college, uh, was the fourth largest college, so to speak, at Oregon State. So, uh, so there's a lot of administration and such. So, uh, But I also uh, saw that uh, we had to move hemp along and budgets are such you can't just hire people and, you know, go do hemp. Uh, I found that the easiest thing was, well, just just do it and eventually create a, some space, right? Um, but uh, thankfully, uh, the DEA, I got registration um, applied in uh, 
December of 2014 and then um, was able to get in 2015 and things weren't happening that I was going to get seats and it wasn't. And I was already doing uh, research over in Europe. That was kind of my gig for the last like 25 years was working over there. Um, and a lot of it's been looking at the roots of agriculture. Like how did we figure this out? So a lot of archaeology and, and um, in Greece, Cyprus, Turkey, Syria, Italy, etc. cetera. So um, I was uh, in uh, at one of my um, archaeological uh, digs in southern Italy and um, thought, you know, where, there's got to be a home someplace. And of course, Italy did at that time. And so I was meeting with some of those folks, uh, just, but they were all the way at the other end of the country. Um, and after uh, meeting up with them, they said, oh, you know, you need to go over, why don't you go over to Eastern Europe? And I thought, well, I'm kind of there. So then I just dropped in Serbia and it was, it's been a match. So uh, we just started working together uh, 2015, that just continues. I have a grad student there right now. So she's um, fortunately uh, able to keep doing her field work and lab work and such. So it's been a good partnership. And of course, that's branched out to nearby countries. Uh, so most of the southern tier of European countries we uh, work with. Um, and then it's 2018 when I started um, working in uh, China. And so, you know, news has come out lately of some cultivars uh, that it helped introduce in 2018. And so they're slowly uh, following my plan to get forward. And so um, that's, um, so I have to say, like, how did hemp happen? It's just like, it's now become everything. And, you know, so last year, I think I've, uh, I flew around the world, I think, five times. Uh, I was in China every month, Europe every month, uh, just because you got to keep the projects going. And so that just, it was like, I can't be department head anymore. My faculty have no idea who I am. I'm not at home. And it's like, you're always around the globe. And it's just like, well, okay, why don't you just, you know, we, we're innovating. It's global. It's hemp. Uh, and this is uh, sort of the navel, and you can't use navel, so you have you know, because you look at that, but uh, let's call it a center. So it's Global Hemp Innovation Center. Yeah. <laughs> and essentially what you've created, you with obviously yeah. support yeah. from OSU, uh, mm -hmm. is the nation's largest center of its kind. 40 faculty, and I'm sure that's growing. Uh, yeah, we're north of 60 now, I think. North of 60. Wow. Yeah. Uh, at least 19 different academic disciplines engaged in research, teaching, and extension services. Is that right? Yeah. Oh yep. my gosh, so, just incredible. Business, pharmacy, veterinary, um, all the ag, everything in ag you would think about. Uh, of course, engineering, forestry, it's really into it. Um, economics, um, art, of course, you know. Chemistry, Final thing nanotechnology, any nanotechnology right. in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the engineering and all. WSC, that's what it is in, at OSU, right? Wood Science and Engineering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's the course. And so, and let me ask you this. 
Um, a lot of folks, they think of hemp these days. The, the average, at least American consumer, is, is thinking CBD. I, after all of these decades, you say hemp, and I still think oil, seed, and fiber. But as we know, extracts and, and cannabinoids these days do tend to take up, as I like to say, all the air in the room. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm also grateful for them because, you know, folks that we could get interested in all that hemp is and can be and can do and all of the benefits of hemp in terms of even adding them into your products, not to mention um, with proper employment of regenerative agricultural practices, its potential for healing the soil um, and the biosphere. Uh, While we can get people engaged in that, when they have a, a sleep problem or they have a shoulder pain or a knee pain that's been bugging them for 10 years or 10 months or 10 days and that problem is resolved for them, um, now all of a sudden they're listening. So very grateful for CBD mm-hmm. and extracts to bring all of this this awareness. I just, I didn't see it coming. The plant's always surprising us, as you well know, mm-hmm. and um, but I didn't see it coming. 20 years ago and then it hit us all like a ton of bricks six years ago and and now I, I embrace it all um, because this is how we're getting folks to us but where is your heart song in hemp Jay Noller? we've got extracts we've got hemp fiber we've got hemp grain oil seed for obviously that nutritional dense profile for human and animals and certainly an amazing industrial purposes where is your heart song in all of this well, for me, it's uh, it's a lot or all of it. And I know that's like, wait, wait what is your specialty? You got to specialize. And it's like, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm an autodidact uh, polymath. Um, you know, um, uh, I I made it to full professors uh, for my art. <laughs> so you know, and I'm in the science side of things. So uh, also professor of soil science. So that's, um, so the, when I look at it, uh, certainly when, as a, you know, department head, I had a very diverse, huge department touched all the way across all of the, um, uh, research, but also a lot of the compliance side of agriculture, uh, for the state of Oregon. And so you just look at that system and, I was the administrator for the um, Western uh, Wheat uh, Program, so that's uh, you know minister for the annual meeting and and occasional meetings and reports and such like that to the U.S. government on all the uh, bakeries, all the flour mills, all the wheat fields, all the research and everything for the whole Western U.S. And so, um, and then similar for all the the northern. Northwest states for potatoes. Uh, we can talk about the mint hops. I mean, there's a lot of different crops that I was already administering. It was like, I just looked at this and said, okay, so there's, uh, this is a vacuum. Uh, hemp is going to be a commodity. It has to fit all of these. These are the processes. They're already there. They're wheels. Uh, we just need to paint hemp on the wheels and put them on the car and go. So that's, um, that's what I see. That's what my role has been. Uh, but also, like, why are you going all over the world? It's like, well, because, A, our federal government was very much against it for a long time, even though we had permission to do it. They just were, you know, uh, trying to obscure 
a mess with uh, our research efforts all the time. And I was just like, okay, it's safer. Just work someplace where they don't care. And But then that's fiber hemp in China or some grain hemp there. Uh, and then in Europe, it was grain and uh, fiber. And here in the U.S., in Oregon, you could, I could go out, see what local growers were doing so I could you know, observe, but to actually bring it onto campus, that was tough the first, uh, what, three years, actually, um, until finally we could uh, bring it on. And now we really bring it on. It's really going. But those uh, foreign relationships then gave me entree to government leaders. Um, you know, I report to prime ministers, kings of different countries now, 20-some-odd countries that I advise. And so that's... Um, you know, I think my uh, hemp instructional videos in China now are passing 2 billion views. Oh, Just think my about that. God. <laughs> are you kidding me? No. <laughs> so, you know, so I can get on an airplane in China and people just like they know my name. And I was like, I have no idea who they are. So uh, it's just that kind of crazy stuff. So and it's all all hemp, right? Uh, but because we work with these different uh, governments uh, have good appreciation of how their processes work. And so that, so work with our government and these other governments to get trade going. And so that's been a big focus, certainly during this COVID time. It's just, um, we need markets around the world. And um, it's, uh, I think, you know, next year is going to be a very, very good year. So. When I say Stealth Ninja, boy, I mean, unbelievable, Jay, or very believable as the case uh, is. And that is not only are we so blessed to have you in hemp in the United States, but the planet, the globe, you have been cross-pollinating, as it were, mm -hmm. uh, throughout the, the globe, really, around the world, and um, and are obviously getting these other countries have an interest in it and you inspire them. You are really what I like to say, connecting these light encoded filaments. Uh, if there was a, if there was an auric shell or template of the planet, man, are you connecting it together with this incredible plant to deliver on its promise. And may I ask you, I'd love, because your perspective is just so valuable, and I'd love for the listeners to get uh, just a little high-level snapshot um, of what's going on around the world, sort of who's ahead and what. Um, and so, with China, obviously they are the kings and queens of textiles, hemp textiles, having figured out a way to degum or delineate uh, mm -hmm. the plant, I think 1987 post-prohibition. But where, where do you see China? What are they really great at and sort of ahead in hemp-wise? Yeah, hemp-wise. Of course, uh, fiber, and that's going to be that way for a while, not for a very long time because um, – you know, there's if we look at uh, what people wear uh, globally and what people put on, uh, it's still a petroleum-based uh, thread, right? So, um, and that's uh, that's really the, as some people would say, the king of the hill uh, in terms of you know product. And then there's cotton, and you know we see that uh, there's going to be somehow hemp is going to mis displace it, but it's um, it may not be the natural form that you 
would think, uh, because if you're going to look at really being having impact, uh, there's a bigger partner to displace, and that's petroleum oil. Um, and so then that gets around to you know grain hemp, um, and then there's also uh, there's some really novel parts of a hemp plant that haven't been uh, bred. Uh, we just see across the U.S. right now, there's one model, like 99%, 98%. And it's just a scaled up grandma's basement, uh, you know, marijuana grow. And um, it hasn't, you know, that's been tried to scale. And it's like, no, 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 no. You know, there's, uh, there are other ways to do this. Uh, they can get uh, other products uh, from, and, you know, we'll see that over time. Um, and that's uh, coming. So uh, really, when you look at what what's China going to be uh, good at, they'll be able to do enough to to uh, generate some uh, yuan or RMB that is dollars to bring into their economy, and that's you know so will be what seems to be what's going to make uh, the greatest margin. So. Uh, but that's, you know, CBD is still a ways away. I see people talking about, oh, China's just swamping us. And it's like, you know what? I think I've walked through every single one of their factories. And it's like, just chill, people. <laughs> just totally chill. I don't know. You're making up stuff. Uh, that's actually your neighbor down the road. And that's why it's bad. Because they don't know what they're doing. And they're in the U.S. And so that's, you know, I think, um, you know, projecting um, onto some other group that, they don't know how to do it. It's really an ex it's probably you or somebody nearby. Um, so let, you know, look there first. Um, they're not going to be there for a while, and if they do, uh, they have a huge demand just for cosmetics, and that's where it's going to go in. That's where it's allowed. That's where the government has created the legal framework to move it. And um, they're almost two years away from where that starts to really kind of scale up, and then some of it may come across. The Pacific, but it, that was accidental. That's not by really any purpose. Uh, other than somebody making a, a trade, uh, but they had no touch with hemp. It's just they see a margin and, and they're going to move it. Um, and that's going to be true for most of the Asian countries, uh, large middle class. And um, so uh, cosmetics is a big part of the you know, business. And so that's when I look at what folks are doing here in the U.S., it's like, okay, you got isolate nice or you have crude or whatever. Um, but, you know, your market isn't that far away. At least you get to a harbor and then the ship takes it. Um, and that's, that's you know, things will go. So they'll, they'll get there somewhat, but even like uh, corn, soybeans, all the agricultural products, uh, they have to import. Um, you know, the Belt and Road system is set up so they can bring in, uh, so they can grow their needed res uh, resources and bring them into the country. So uh, it's going to be whatever is favorable for tariffs, et cetera. Um, so um, I wouldn't worry about uh, that. wouldn't re really worry about any other country. Um, oh, I don't ask for worrying uh, yeah. at all. I love hemp. I have no judgment to this whole thing. I am very clear that we are headed for healing. It may or may not happen in my lifetime, but there's no fear, no worrying. There's no vibration from that at me. I want to know. I'm super happy that wherever hemp is making headway, that just mm -hmm. makes me happy. 
Um, <laughs> so, so awesome on China and, and fiber and, uh, and not being a, a threat. So, you know, that's very, there's crazy stuff happening in Asia, as we well know. There's really only Japan, which will take that extract from the mature stocks, and sterilized <laughs> seeds. Get us all the hemp extract you can out of that fiber and those sterilized seeds. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a difficult market. What about Europe? Now, Europe is big and you've got that great um, perspective. Maybe if you could sort of divide it up a little bit um, for the different parts of Europe in terms of what you see progress infrastructure-wise being made there. Right. So uh, Europe is an interesting uh, case. It's kind of like the U.S. Um, if we look at, because um, it is, it's very much, it's a federation of states, um, right? Nation states. Member and, states. Yep. And so the, um, when you look at, um, you know, any of the, the hemp products and such, you'll find that uh, some states don't want certain things of certain composition that is, it's got to be at zero or 0.1, 0.2. They finally got to 0.2, 0.2. Uh, last month. Right. So 0.3. they finally got to 0.3 last month. It's yeah. Chances the holdout for 2.2. Yeah. 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 I, I, I know it's allowed to 0.3, but that's still, uh, if we're looking at, uh, something that is labeled for all of them, it's 0.2. So if you're making a product, you better be at point two or below. So, With that extract uh, in particular, that's where the underscore comes yeah. in there, it seems. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, uh, each country can um, have its own more strict or not less strict uh, rules. Uh, although uh, they, they do get to define certain things that they've been doing it for a while and they can demonstrate they've been doing it for a while. So, um you know, you'll, you'll see that uh, it's all over the place. Uh, I think if uh, looking at the latest map in terms of the different categories of of countries, uh, what is it? It's almost a dozen different categories. So that means, you know, it's not one size fits all. Uh, it's kind of like the states, you know, here. Um, Oregon's very, very permissible, uh, whereas Idaho, no way, there's nothing. So, and then you have things in between. And then there's things like, though, just Dunagro and hemp flax obviously come to mind, uh, Germany, Holland. Um, and we know there are certain things going on in Lithuania, Ukraine, uh, fiber. Uh, there is certainly mm-hmm. some extraction going on, but anything that you could sort of tell us there, again, just around I- infrastructure and, and the different types? Or have I basically, have, have the two of us already explained that from a high level? <laughs> Well, I mean, let's look at France, right? Uh, There's only two um, licenses for CBD or, you know, cannabinoid extract. That's it. Dos. Two. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, uh, so you have a lot of people say, I can do it. It's like, well, okay, let's look at it from the top down. So the top only thinks there's two. So maybe there are others, but, you know, you'll be found. Um, and then you look at uh, other countries where um, 
they want it all centralized. Others, it's, uh, it's all, it has to be planned in. They're still working on the plans. They're going to be working on plans for a while. That's just another way to say yes, but. So there's a lot of yes, but. Um, yes, you can, but it's going to be five years. But they're not going to tell you five years. But that's kind of in their bureaucratic head. Um, and then there are those that are like, oh, let's just go. Um, so, um I mean, I watched that uh, Italy over the last two years went from like, mm, we're just, we're not going to look at it. We're not going to talk about it. We're no, 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 no. Uh, then it's like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. Oh, the government changed. Oh, now, no. And now like today it's like, uh, it's a narcotic. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, but, but the EU just, you know, said in Brussels and they're like, mm, no. You know, fascinating that's, that's stuff and but that's today so and so much what a great analogy that it is so much like the patchwork as i often mm -hmm. refer to it of developing uh law and regulation throughout our 50 states and and territories and it, it is so fascinating i'm sure that um it's just as much of the chalkboard nails on a chalkboard for you as it is for me when we get to hear it's legal in all 50 states and by the way, what the it is, it is, you know, tell me what the it is first and then and then we can have the argument based on that. But if it has to do with hemp in general, the word hemp, planting hemp, not legal in all 50 states, extracting hemp, not legal in all 50 states, mm -hmm. extracting hemp for dietary supplements. Not legal in all 50 states, not even kind of acknowledged at the federal level. But, of course, we have some brave uh, states that are allowing those products to be marketed as dietary supplements. It's a fascinating um, mm -hmm. situation. And then, of course, Australia is, thank you, Paul Benham, is starting to come along. I think now you can finally, humans can actually consume hemp grain now in, in the country of Australia. It's a big deal. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Just, uh, yeah. yeah, but the leaves, the, the beef uh, could eat, and then you could eat the beef. That was that went first. That went first. Just, right? It's just like, okay, sure. Man, incredible yeah. stuff. And I I also want to make sure, and, and I think in terms of, of the international education and, and just the reach, Right now, you're working on a big conference uh, in February, mm -hmm. February 9th and 10th, the National Hemp Symposium, nationalhempsymposium.org, and folks can certainly get your links at mjbulls.com uh, to, to find out more. But that's with the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. Tell us about the scope of that conference. Right. So that this uh, is really... Uh, guess one way to put it is we're going to recast that uh, one figure that was in the 1935 popular mechanics issue that said, hey, there are 25,000, you know, products, blah, 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 right? So is that um, the billion, the third, the billion dollar crop? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was it just that was 1938, brother. And that's what oh, always amazes okay. me is it was a year after the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act. So here they are yeah. taxing and regulating <laughs> hemp out of existence in 1937 and 1938, boom, popular mechanics, billion dollar crop. So tell me what are, this is fascinating to me that you're using this as a springboard. So how, what, how does this fit in? 
So uh, we looked at uh, what uh, you know the U.S. Gover- government considers its main sectors for its economy, for the U.S. economy. And so for each of those sectors, uh, we have uh, somebody from a C-suite of one of the major U.S. corporations is going to look in their crystal ball and say, how does hemp and how can and how should hemp fit in their particular sector? So like transportation, retail, uh, of course, um, agriculture, uh, but also we have government, um, fuel, bioenergy, uh, goes on and on. So um, as we look at each of those uh, categories, you have um, you know a company that people would identify probably like in manufacturing, we have uh, 3M we'll be talking. And so they've got all sorts of things that are imagining and or actually doing, and that's up to them to disclose or not. Uh, but um, so, yeah, it's, um, can we, because right now we've been uh, focused a lot on the essential oil hemp because we can extract uh, terpenes and cannabinoids off of, and uh, the pollen being shed by grain hemp is kept in uh, certain quarters like North Dakota and Eastern Montana right now. And we'll see that in Minnesota, um, not it's in other States, but that's where we find the largest acres. And then fiber uh, is coming around. Of course, if we look at the number of, of um, hemp farmers in 2020 who claim to be growing hemp, uh, it's Texas, right? So, um, and so the, um, but they all have to be grown if for some reason, right? And so this is uh, giving folks an idea of what we need to do. And because it's the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, of course, we need to talk on those various topics. And so how do uh, you know, researchers, uh, innovators think ahead? And so that's to get uh, sort of be that reset, if you will, and let's look at the whole thing, because there's a lot here, and it can fit in uh, across the economy, and uh, it should, you know, the I guess the secret is out, and that is we actually have speakers who are going to say hemp fits across the entire U.S. economy, and so, uh, and, you know, we're looking through to 2050, um, and let's see. Uh, this is more, (laughs) man and Jay, and this is more stealth ninja. This is exactly (laughs) what we need. Hemp is the great blender, the great synthesizer. When we add, uh, particularly as you well know from, from David Sieber, who can, who can describe it in its simplest form, just in terms of how they developed hemp shield, uh, that low VOC, um, wooden deck stain and realizing as he worked with forest paint there in Southern Oregon, a several generation sealant and, and paint uh, company, family company that had knew how all of these different VOCs worked together, had seen it all before. Uh, but then 
they add some uh, some hemp seed oil into it. Some special some special things have been done to that hemp seed oil. But in any event, to see things working better together in new and different ways that they had not seen, that they did not expect, and so it does it on that level. It does it as a on on the huge scale. So we're talking micro and macro. Um, for us to be able to really deliver on the promise of the plant, we need for every industry, human and animal, body mm-hmm. care, nutrition, nutraceuticals, pharmaceuticals, paper, textiles, building materials, biocomposites, industrial sealants and coatings, 3M, as you say, adhesives and glues. Of course, and this brings me to the next subject, energy storage, fuel, batteries, mm-hmm. um, all of it. And we need just folks to start understanding and using it and and re- retrofitting, I guess I would say, or supplementing or augmenting um, the, that which is necessary of their existing processing and manufacturing and infrastructure to accommodate whatever is unique about hemp. Can we talk for a minute about uh, supercapacitors, energy? And we, we're talking everything from a pellet that can be made from the herd, which is going to work just as well as a wood pellet and actually burn a little cleaner. Of course, your biodiesel from a hemp seed, but I, I don't see that as a very good or useful or optimal way to use that valuable seed, particularly given... Um, just inflated and false values on fuel in general. But when we get into this other forms of fuel and particularly supercapacity and energy storage, then it starts to be a real game changer. Can you talk to us about that? Well, certainly if we look at, um, uh, you know, everybody looks at China and says, oh, it's hemp textiles. Look at that. Greatest stuff. And it's like, um, you know, that's only like, in terms of the weight of the plant, maybe 2%. Okay. <laughs> what ha- what's happening to the other 98%, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's because it goes into um, defense, you know, armaments, all sorts of things like that. So we'll, we will have a speaker from uh, Office of Navy Research um, talking about what they, the U.S. government in U.S. defense um, uh, we'll be looking at in terms of um, hemp. And that'll be pattern off of other uh, defense um, capabilities in other countries, right? So, um, and then we look at, of course, uh, it's carbon, right? Uh, there's lots of sources of carbon. And so um, the beauty of a hemp plant is here you have a, a through its uh, genetics, uh, is able to configure carbon and associated uh, elements in interesting forms that with enough, you know, uh, not a lot of processing, have a degree of crystallinity and and size and shape, um, i.e. capacitance, if you will, uh, that we don't see in other materials. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious. And if it's light, which it is, um, then that the whole problem of a, of a vehicle uh, with its uh, undercarriage of uh, batteries currently in the lithium form is heavy. And that means it can only go so far because it has to carry itself, right, because it's heavy. Uh, so if you take out that weight and now it's just a passenger uh, and then the contents that you're carrying along and the weight of the vehicle 
Uh, that's how we'll see the extended range of vehicles is because, well, look, uh, you're not carrying um, heavy elements, uh, i.e. the uh, encasement of lithium, which is lighter than carbon, but, um, you know, carbon does have weight. <laughs> um, but um, it's uh, still, uh, it's going to be in a, in a, form that uh, is expected to be uh, quite substantial. So yeah, we'll see that. And so we'll have uh, at least two of the speakers uh, talking about what they see in, in their sectors and how that um, interacts. So expect it. In fact, uh, demand it. Oh, so exciting. I really think that that's, that's a, a big one here for us. Um, graphene, graphite whiskers and carbon nanotubes, I understand, are basically the only two substances uh, that on the nanoscale, hemp cellulose, the, the, the surface area and the strength um, is second only to those things. So it seems to me just a tremendous game changer for the air and space industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, and certainly, again, as we say, we'll think of light rails and monorails and modern futuristic uh, transportation. I think it's going to change things dramatic. I know it is. I can't believe I'm still using words like think. It is changing things dramatically. Um, and may I ask, and I love that the Department of Defense will be there. Obviously, Hemp for Victory, uh, the Department mm -hmm. of Defense has, uh, has a tremendous um history there. Certainly Napoleon invaded Russia in 1812 to cut off the English Navy supply of hemp and uh, and Japan invaded Manila, you know, uh, in 1941, cutting off our supply of hemp as we were entering World War II. Um, and Tulsi Gabbard, God bless her, on her way out, um, she's, she did not run for re-election, but that Hemp for Victory Act uh, that she filed, I I'm, I'm, don't take credit for a darn thing, but it's something that I'm very proud um, to have been at least helpful contributing to because it really directs every single, to the extent, of course, that it would ever pass, but directs every single agency within the United States, which is the largest purchaser of goods in the world, and the Department of Defense, of course, being the largest purchaser among them, um, and directing them to say, hey, of all the stuff you buy, guys, what on earth can be made or blended with and from hemp and do some research on it. So I just love that the, the Department of Defense, Defense is, is going to be there. They're listening. May I ask you, because you say, and this is as we close it, it's a, it's a United States issue right now. Um, and of course, we've got all these interim final rules happening, right? The Drug Enforcement Administration, the United States Department of Agriculture, we've got the FDA supposedly working on a regulatory framework, although a, a great article from a, a hero of mine, Martin Lee, called uh, Desperately Seeking Harm, Diagnosing the FDA's CBD Problem. So it seems like maybe they're working on why they don't, shouldn't have to make one instead of listening to Congress and the people and making one. But all of these rules, one of them, is this idea of at least there is a, a certainly a growing and huge population of farmers and industry stakeholders here in the public who think that the definition of hemp, which caps the Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol concentration at 0.3%, needs to be increased and that it should be increased to 1% uh, because of all of this focus on extract, that being uh, where the current, and yes, I'll say it, 
not probably here to stay, um, real main industry is in the United States. And there are many, many arguments, of course, for that. Uh, there are many, many arguments against it. And the European Industrial Hemp Association and others, certainly those who are more aware of the climatic impacts and the need for real environmental and economic sustainability for for farmers say, why, why are we doing that? Why are we not encouraging the entire use of the whole plant instead of getting farmers set up for these giant extract farms in the United States and having to change the law around that? What are your thoughts to the extent you're willing to share them about this movement um, to attempt to try to get that definition changed and that cap on the intoxicating property um, of cannabis, which is Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol, get it increased for hemp. Right. So when we look at, um, you know, the point three, it's, it's like, that's an arbitrary number. Well, yeah, it was, it's an arbitrary number. One is an arbitrary number two. Um, and so what, what really is the number that, that needs to be there? Right. And so you'll have law enforcement say, well, we need to, and it's like, okay. So we have uh, unlimited alcohol supply. Yet what we say is that um, in certain circumstances, when you are in a privileged uh, state, that is, you're driving a motor vehicle uh, on a public road, um, then a public safety officer uh, determines from behavior, um, either before or for some other reason, because your tail lights out, which is always the great scam. Um, and then uh, they smell your breath, and now you do a sobriety test, right? And so, um, so we don't have a, a one percent alcohol drink or a point three, right? We don't have a one hundred proof. You can go higher proof, right? Uh, you, there are certain forms of alcohol that you are not allowed to sell for consumption, wood alcohol being one of them, uh, and for good reason, because you drink that, you're dead. So um, it's um, so it's where is the pressure point? Right now, it's uh, it, where we are pressuring biology, uh, not the people who are using the biology. And so my sense is that um, – and we're probably getting very close there, if not this gen uh, upcoming administration, but soon thereafter is where we finally realize that, you know what, all that stuff, it's what purpose does that serve? Um, it's uh, more what is the person doing in the public space? And that's that's where a public you know, safety officer has, uh, you know, that, that role. Um, so... We think that uh, the percent is is not important. If we look at a number of countries, China's one of them, uh, where it's like, so tell me, uh, that seed, um, what are you going to do with that? I'm going to plant it. Uh -huh. And what's what's going to happen to it when it grows up? I'm going to, it's fiber. Oh, okay, no problem. They don't come out and test it. They don't do anything. You just tell them, this is my intent. It's the seed. It's my intent. This is where it's going. Grain, same thing. You're doing it for CBD. Oh, okay. Now, 
<laughs> tell us, you know, and then it gets, you know, it's, it now moves into that direction and we're missing that in the U S because somebody who's growing, um, the grain hemp, uh, is under the same restrictions as somebody growing something that's just always running just a little hot. Right. And so, uh, I think, the, yeah, the USDA recognizes that this is, you know, they're following what Congress says and, um, you know, Congress is uh, worried, you know, we have some states uh, where you're looking at um, uh, part of the economy is dependent on the enforcement of, of this particular number. And you change that number and it's like, wait a second, we're, our economy is going to suffer because that number isn't in the right place, um, which is disruptive, right? So to a certain uh, tax. So. To me, uh, product specifications and intent of the material, um, because we're just now finally starting to get some gov U.S. government registered uh, hemp varieties. Uh, in a few years, we'll be in a place where it's like, oh, you're growing that? Well, whatever. And then they will move to that. So the next, you know, revision will will address that, and the one after that will definitely be like, you have, you're growing something that falls into this product specification, just go. If you're over here in the uh, extractive for uh, cannabinoids, and you're going to try to hew close to uh, a number that um, goes into another product category, it's not that you're going to get, you know. It's not a criminal act. It's that the market's going to say, you know, you just went over the line. So now you're over in that. And there's a lot of people in that uh, category. And so that's the market you move into. So then folks are going to pull back because, like, uh, they want to make a better profit. So I think product uh, categories, specifications, you know, Oppa's come out with theirs. So has, uh, what? nine, 10 other different groups, and those all have to be uh, worked out. Although some of them are germane to a particular uh, industry, which is again, when we look at like our symposium, it's that uh, when hemp finally grows up, this is how we'll look at it. Uh, this whole thing about, oh, is it 0.3, is it one, is it seven or 10? You know, it's just like, come on. It's um, what what uh, is your market, uh, what are the product, specifications are you able to meet them because if you're not they're not going to buy it or you're going to get a much lower uh, price for it so um i would think you know you know we're looking at just reinventing the world is to say um here's a product category and if you go above that uh you you uh don't get a you get a premium if you're under the number you're you don't if you go over it and then you just keep moving along like we do with every other commodity and so the farmers are like, I really, my wheat, uh, my soft winter wheat, it, 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 is it at nine? Yeah. Because uh, if I'm at nine and a half, I'm not going to get the premium. I want to be at nine. You know, so they're not trying to push the number. They're, it's, they, they're growing in a certain region. They know after time that that's, that's where they're going to go because it's going to go to a, uh, an East Asian soft cake, sponge cake market. And that's a lot more profitable than, you know, some uh, Midwest uh, millery.
Yeah. Absolutely intended use is is no doubt the way to go. And and I know that this is a temporary. I often say if folks thought that we were going to come from hysterical prohibition into some common sense right out of the gate law and regulation, that's just not how it works. Stamp your feet all you like and and beg to to get a cookie, but that's just not how it works. But boy, are things evolving um, ever so quickly. And while we are in this point three type of or and as you say um still so many delicate areas of point two but have the european having gone into point three recently because of that and that is where we are in this nascent stage of law and regulation um i think there are concerns that one country going way above that it is going to cause problems with the world economy and it's all of the reasons why uh why we need to um sort of just synchronize and get real about what THC is. Jay, it is such an honor to have you on the show. I really hope that we'll get to have you back again. We're just really touching the surface of the tremendous amount of information and knowledge and expertise uh, that you have to share about this incredible, valuable, and versatile plant. But while we say goodbye uh, for this time, is there anything that you want the listeners to know, a message about hemp, something important uh, that you'd like to leave them with, other than make sure you register for the National Hemp Symposium on February 9th and 10th? I think the, uh, the, the key thing is, is that uh, for hemp, uh, expect the unexpected and uh, question what seems not to be questionable. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much for that. And someone needs to put that on a hemp t-shirt. Jay, wishing you so much good health and happiness in the next year. I cannot wait to continue to watch your lotus petals unfold, brother. And thank you for everything you do for this plant all around the world. All right, Joy. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.